What's going on, guys? This is Rob Doster here. I want to let you know about our sponsors, Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about them yet, it is the easiest way for you to make a podcast. I know because all of our 28 podcasts on the field of 68 and the field of 12 use Anchor by Spotify. It has the tools that will allow you to record and edit your pods right from your phone or your computer. You can distribute anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those places that allow you to listen to podcasts for absolutely free. Anchor sends those pods directly to the feeds. And here's the best part about it. Anchor is totally free. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm if you want to get started on your own podcast. Hello and welcome another episode of the Doster and Deshaun and Fanta podcast. It is Wednesday, July 7th. My name is Rob Doster. Obviously, these are my two co-hosts here, and it is official. For the last six days, college athletes have been able to make money off of their name, image, and likeness. And I don't know about you guys, but I just looked out the window today, right? And the sun is shining. The birds are chirping. The world is still spinning on its axis. Things have not blown up. Everything is okay. And college athletes are making money off of their name, image, and likeness. What's going on, gentlemen? It's a good day. It's a good time to be alive. Day, how you doing, man? I'm feeling good, man. Uh, that's a great point. Nothing has broken down and shut down yet. So, <laughs> college basketball is still in great hands. I think it's in better hands. So, that makes me happy, and that makes my day good so far. So, Fanta, where are you right now? Are you down at the Jersey Shore again? I'm down the Jersey Shore, and do not say the word shut down, Deshaun. You're giving me PTSD. <laughs> Look, uh, maybe this is the right time that, uh, that, that after everything we've been through the last 13 months, yes, the world is still spinning. Yes, the sun is still shining. Rob, you just said it. Um, this is long overdue. Glad to see that it's happening. Good to see these kids uh, getting their due. I'm sure that there's past athletes who wish they had it. I hope that Reggie Bush gets that Heisman Trophy back because, damn it, he deserves that trophy in his case. Uh, But I'm doing well, boys. Love talking hoops with you. And, yes, I am down the Jersey Shore where this baby, (laughs) this baby was really getting used this past weekend. Everything from burgers, dogs, Italian sausage, pulled pork. It was a fun 4th of July down the Jersey Shore. So we're, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into to our favorite barbecue foods and, and favorite barbecue coaches and all that kind of stuff. But please, please, I, <laughs> I, I do want to talk a little bit about the NIL. And, and Day, I, I'm curious. I want to know how you feel about this because I, I do think that if this were the kind of thing that were in place when you were at West Virginia, uh, you would have been able to make a pretty good amount of money off of it. I know how West Virginia fans feel about you. It still makes no sense to me. I don't think that you're that awesome, but they love you. And and. Um, you're the exact kind of guy that like you were there for four years. You were an all American by the time you left. And that's the kind of player that I think will be able to uh, really capitalize on this. So I just want to know, like, how do you feel about it now? Um, Conversations that you've had with other guys that used to play, Uh, you know, I've talked with some players that are just like, I cannot believe that this bullshit happened now and not when I was in college. So uh, (laughs) where where are you at with all of it? Um, I'm happy for the kids for real. Honestly, like this is a great thing. Um, at the end of the day, man, this helps. I feel like it helps all of college players, not just, you know, high major guys. It's, uh, it's It helps these guys that do stay in college for four years and work in their games. And as they get better, they build a, themselves their own fan base. Like, obviously, like we talked about uh, 
who this could help in the, the high major scenarios. But think about the Dame Lillards of the world or Steph Curry's of the world. Like this would definitely have been awesome to have back in the, when I was in college. So like I said, I'm glad they took this, this leap. They don't know how everything's going to work exactly, but I'd rather them take the leap with this and then figure it out and then put the parameters around it as they learn as we go. I think that'll be better as opposed to just never doing, making this decision. And, you know, we'll see where it goes, man. I mean, who who can complain about this? Like, the players are going to be extremely happy. I've been seeing a ton of, like, terrible graphics so far, some good graphics too. Everybody's selling themselves, so it's been funny to watch. But at the same time, man, I'm happy that these guys are getting an opportunity to to learn how to manage and manage themselves and, and take care of their own business themselves. Cause I wish I had that opportunity at a younger age. Cause then it would have helped me out as I got into my pro career, just learning how to be an adult and manage things. I didn't, I didn't get that until I got thrown into it. So that, that's the part of it that drove, drove me crazy over the course of like the last couple of days has been the people that have been like, well, good luck paying your taxes now. Yeah. I guess you're going to have to pay some taxes. What, what walk of life, what industry, in, in what place in the United States of America do you have any kind of income and not have to pay taxes on it, right? Everybody's going to have to pay taxes. That's part of the deal. It's because now you're being able to, like, if you're an NBA player and you got a $2 million a year contract, you're paying taxes on that $2 million a year. I'm paying taxes on the money that I make off of, uh, you know, stuff that I do for stadium, off of stuff from Field of 68, off of stuff when I used to work for NBC, right? Everybody in America pays taxes. Like, why, why is this a surprise that if college athletes are able to develop some kind of income, they're going to have to pay taxes on it? It's what you, it's what you do. It's what you do. That, that part drove me crazy. But I do think it is important that, like, the financial literacy aspect of it, right? Like, how many guys do we see that get to the league, uh, start spending like crazy, don't understand that, hey, you know what? If you, uh, you make X amount of dollars, you got to make sure that you probably have, like, 40 of that, 40% of that still in the bank by the time April 15th comes around because you're going to have to pay something in taxes. So – um, I do think that this will help some guys uh, in the long run. I am concerned, Fanta, and and, and let me ask you this. Um, I can see a lot of situations where, where players are going to be taken advantage of, right, where there are going to be shady people that come around and uh, strike deals that maybe aren't in the best interest of these players. So I, I do think that one of the most important things here, especially for the biggest name guys, is that they got to surround themselves with people that, A, they know they can trust, and B, that actually know what they're talking about, right? There's a lot of people that pretend like they know what they're talking about, but don't. So you got to have people that, that you trust and have people that understand the industry. Yeah, and, and I agree with you, Rob, but is it not ironic, gentlemen, that to a degree, these types of things were already happening behind closed doors with some athletes, and they were getting taken advantage of in some instances, if not more instances uh, than not. And, and I think to your point, like, it's interesting to me because now you are allowing these kids to benefit, but could you not benefit in return if you're the NCAA uh, because a kid might be looking at college as a real avenue in which he can benefit financially, education-wise, and in his basketball, football, whatever the sport may be, development that now with the financial element added in to the college athlete experience, uh, you, you could be looking at some kids saying, okay, I am going to pick school. I am going to stay, stay around, get closer to my degree, and develop myself. The kids have already, to a degree, been put in a position where they might have been getting taken advantage of by 
putting this in place, by allowing kids to benefit off the NIL, you are going to still have cases in which a kid might get taken advantage of. But that kid is now going to have every resource on his campus and around his campus that will allow him to be educated on the routes that he is going to be taking if he signs a deal, if he does something. And this is where the school oversight can be a positive in looking at these potential deals and and flagging things. Now, what I don't want to see is a school flagging something because of the, the amount of money someone's making or because of some minute detail. But if this is done correctly, I do find it ironic that it has taken as long as it has to make this happen and that it could end up coming back to benefit college athletics in a way. Because at the end of the day, what does the NCAA revolve around? The NCAA revolves around the NCAA tournament and all that television money from CBS and Turner and the revenue that March Madness produces like Scrooge McDuck in a freaking gold pot <laughs> at the beginning of DuckTales. If, <laughs> if Hunter Dickinson stays around Michigan, if Player X stays at his school, that means better March Madness. That means more TV viewers. That means good things for the world of college basketball and in other college sports you can say the same potentially. Yeah, so, I, and I'm, I, I do want to – I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Finish. I think you're right. I think, yes, could a kid get taken advantage of? He could. But I think there was a better chance of him getting taken advantage of before NIL than there is now. Yeah, and, and I just wanted to elaborate on the point that you said about this making college basketball better. Um, the money is going to be there. That's going. It, it may not be the same as what you can get in the G League necessarily. Like I – the number that's floating around for what Jalen Duran, for example, is being offered by the G League Ignite program is a million dollars. That's I don't know if that's official, but that's kind of what the the assumption is in the circles that we're that we're in, right? That's the top of the top. Yeah, that's the top of the top. That's not yeah. just like any of these other kids that are coming out of high school that to say, "Oh, I'm just going to forego college. I want to go to the G League." Like you're not getting a million. <laughs> yeah, you're not. But like, so let's just use Jalen Duran as the example, though. Like he he's rumored to get a million and. Um, some of the schools that he's looking at, whether it's Memphis, whether it's Miami, whether it's Kentucky, um, Memphis is like really closely associated with FedEx. Do you think FedEx would be willing to, to drop a bag for a player like Jalen Duran at the University of Memphis when the head coach is Penny Hardaway, who's worth $100 million in his own right and has a, a couple million dollar a year contract with the Tigers? And not only would they be able to get him, even if it's at a little bit less in terms of salary, I think what these players are going to understand really quickly is that the value, the real value is in your Instagram page, is in your TikTok page, is in the amount of followers that you have on Twitter. It's what you are as a social entity. It's what you are as a brand where you can slap something on all your social channels and it gets seen by X number of people because that's what brands want. They want the exposure. And the best way to develop that is to get into college where you have a dedicated and loyal fan base. It's going to follow you throughout your entire career, right? There are guys that play for Memphis that Memphis fans still love years and years and years after they're in the NBA. Same thing with Kentucky. Same thing with Michigan. Same thing with Deshaun of West Virginia. Like that's the perfect example. So um, when you go to college and you kind of start developing this social brand, it, you, you get seen by so many more people than you would if you were playing for the G League Ignite or playing in the overtime elite league 
or playing overseas in Australia. So um, I think that that value is something that players are really going to understand. And the perfect example is that the, the people that are getting the biggest NIL deals right now are that gymnast, Olivia, whatever her name is for LSU, that has 1.1 million uh, followers on Instagram. It's the Cavender twins at Fresno State that play on the women's team that they are just kind of like they're fine. They're good players. They play in the West, or they play in the Mountain West, right? They also have 1.6 million followers on. T- oh, I'm sorry, 3.3 million followers on TikTok and combined like 600,000 on Instagram. It's Adrian Nunez, who's a complete nobody on Michigan State's roster or on Michigan's roster, but him and his girlfriend have 100 and something thousand subs on youtube and 1.6 million followers on tiktok like those are the people that are going to make real money and the best way to develop those channels is to get into college where you have these massive fan bases that love you right so i do think that this stuff is, is going to have a real impact on keeping some of these best players around and at least most importantly in my mind keeping players like a hunter dickinson in college i, I really think that and i made this point before and you guys heard me go on this rant before but getting getting guys like Deshaun back for their senior year, getting guys like Hunter Dickinson back for their sophomore year, a Kofi Coburn coming back to school. Those kind of those guys who basically have to decide whether or not they want to compete for a two way contract, compete for a spot on the team in Italy or come back and play for Kansas for another year. Finding a way to make it so that they get enough money where it's worth it to come back to college for another year, even if it's 10 players. If it's 10 players on top 25 teams, then all of a sudden you're looking at a situation where 10 of the top 25 teams in the country got significantly better because an all-league or all-American player is back. EJ Liddell is back at Ohio State. What would Ohio State be without him? If Ohio State is good, it makes college basketball better. So it's just – I think it's a great thing. Day, I'm sorry. I went on a rant. Go ahead. No, I totally agree with you, bro. Like, once I saw Hunter going back, I was just like, this is going to be great. I know the NCAA is excited about that. And I know Michigan for sure is excited about that. So, I mean, this is this does nothing but help the players who are, like you mentioned, a couple of players who aren't really just great players, but they're great at marketing themselves. And then there's other people that are really good basketball players, and it just helps all parties involved in the school as well, in the NCAA. So I really don't see how this, uh, as of now, I don't see how this NIL is going to do too much damage. You know, hey, hey, I have a quick question for you, and fans. I'm sorry to cut you off, but uh, so you've been in a lot more locker rooms and on a lot more teams than, than Fanta and I have. And I'm curious how you think the dynamic of having one player maybe making 500k and another player making 100k, and then like seven or eight guys that are just kind of getting you know 5k here, maybe maybe a thousand dollars here, and, and having some guys at the end of the bench that are getting like meal vouchers at the local TGI Fridays and a chance to just drive around in a company car more or less for the time that they're on campus. Like how, how do you think that difference in income is going to impact a college locker room? Well, it'd be good to, for these guys to experience it because at the end of the day, throughout life, you're going to meet people with higher incomes. Than you. <laughs> so like you, and especially on teams, like where like you're in the NBA and you're making like $400,000 at the time. And then, you know, somebody's making $400 every two weeks, $400,000 every two weeks. And they're like looking at your check and, and making jokes maybe or someone, you never know. Like you just have to be able to deal with that stuff as it goes along, man. Like someone making more money than you and you making money, even if it's a little bit, it means nothing. It's what you do with your money. And it, and that's also going to be like, man, it's going to be big to have these things happen on college campuses because I mean, these guys will have, I, I guarantee you see a lot more business majors and a lot more people trying to learn how to take care of their money and what to do with it. So like this is going to basically put the onus on these guys to become better man, be, being able to manage themselves, being able to manage their money before they get out of college, 
I kind of feel like this makes these guys real adults when they leave college because they'll learn how to do these things yeah. as opposed to, I feel like a lot of college athletes leave college a little bit premature, regardless of the age, they leave college premature, not knowing what to expect from the world when they leave. And if you don't know how to manage your money, when you leave college, you learn very quickly, or you just learn that uh, you fucked up. So <laughs> you, uh, I think this scenario will be great, man. It, it's going to, it's going to work out for these guys in the, in the long run, I think, especially the younger that they are. Yeah, I think that to your point, we look at college basketball this offseason, and this offseason is going to be different than others, but the case is still the same. We have 1,500-some transfers in college hoops. So when you say, how much does money impact the dynamic of a locker room? The fact is, if the star player who makes dollars is a good person and a leader in his locker room, the dollars aren't going to make as big of a difference, I think, as people might make them out to be the culture in a locker room is still culture in a locker room. It, it, when, when we didn't have NIL, there were issues mm-hmm. and there were transfers and there's still going to be issues and transfers money adds a different dimension, but if you're the right kind of leader in your locker room and you earn your keep, I think Deshaun is someone who played. You'd respect that guy. You don't understand that. Look, he's earned it. He's earned it for us. And guess what? If you don't respect, that guy or if you don't think he's earned it then you're going to do what a lot of kids are doing and that's transfer down try to be the star somewhere else and try to make your keep somewhere else and 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 schools move on it's 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 kind of the revolving door that is the the transfer stuff in college basketball but I do think that this is something that prepares these kids for what the next step is Rob you brought it up on the taxes front you know I'd rather have to learn those lessons between 18 and 22 before my pro days then have to learn it then. And, and I also think that if you're a fringe player and you're considering those three routes, right, of going overseas, fighting for the two-way, or coming back to college, the amazing thing about this is is that you could argue your brand, your brand will – never be as powerful as it is in the four years at your university. And if you can build that brand in those four years, this is amazing, right? You could end up as the NCAA helping a kid benefit off his brand after he gets a degree, more so by allowing NIL during his college days than you were before when he can't benefit off his name, image, and likeness. He gets out of college still as the fringe player, but he has no foundation to really build the brand up any further. So staying in college could end up benefiting the brand during that time more than any other time in some of these guys' career because they're not going to get the same level of exposure in their basketball career, especially if they're playing overseas or if they're constantly battling in the G League. Yeah, that's a that's a fantastic point, Fanta. Go ahead, Day. All right, before the question, um, good, great. That was a great point, Fanta. Not to mention though, money wise, it's a little bit different as a professional because those teams are paying you. The teams aren't going to be paying these guys. There's going to be other people. These guys are going to be making their money off of their image and likeness. So I just, so I don't know how much the locker room will change because it's not like the university saying, you know we're going to pay this kid $500,000 and pay you five grand because we think less of you or something like that. 
Well, the, the, like, only, the, only thing I, the only thing I would say to that real quick, Day, is that yeah. there are going to be universities that are going to be able to say like, hey, if we give you this $100,000, can you pretend to have a deal with this kid so you can pay this kid the $100,000? Because we really need the shooting guard. We don't have enough shooting. We got to get some spacing for our big guys out here. Yeah, but the thing is, though, because if they're doing that, that's a that's like something that's done in an off, off paper type deal, as opposed to when a team is like, we want you for five million dollars. Like everyone knows that contract. So I would say it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. But I really wonder how the coaches are going to control the locker room, more or less, because I, as a pro, I've seen guys, you know, when they make their money. Whether, whether it's a little bit or a lot, if it's more than they never had before. And some people feel like they arrive when they get their money. So I wonder how that's going to affect the way the players approach the game too. Like, yeah. I wonder what effect it'll have on the game in a sense. Not And in, in, in the pros is really different because you always, you don't have that safety net as a pro. In college, there's kind of a safety net. If you're a decent enough player, you know, maybe somebody will pick you up and you've seen people trickle down to three, four, five schools. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Pros, like, if you get slapped with that stigma of, like, not being being worth the buck and you're not playing, you have no film, you're not getting a job sometimes. So I wonder how that – how this will affect locker rooms where coaches have to have control and try to, uh, you know – like, will this turn into, like, a player's deal sooner or later? Like, kind of like how the NBA is, where it's like a player's league? Or will it – still have control with the coaches more or less being like the forefront of it. I just wonder how it'll all pan out when it's finished. It's, it's going to be the coaches still because um, the, the players just aren't going to be on campus for long enough, the players that would have that kind of sway. Um, but I, I, I do want to just circle back to a point both of you guys made in terms of like the, the coach and the locker room and how that stuff all kind of works out. Like I was having a conversation with a guy and I don't know if I want to say his name, um, but he's a coach that you would have heard of at a school that a lot of people know. That's just, simplest way to put it at a, at an event um, a couple weekends ago in Philly. And the point that he basically made was like, he's not super concerned about issues in the locker room from NIL stuff, because if something arises, it's going to just like magnify a problem that was already there. Cause the issue is going to be like, okay, you got a kid that's coming off the bench that sees the starting shooting guard that's playing over him, getting a deal where he's getting next amount of dollars. And he's mad because he's coming off the bench and he thinks that he should be starting. The issue is not necessarily going to be the money. It's going to be that you got a kid on the bench that isn't happy because he's not starting more or less. Does that make sense? So Definitely. I, I think it's going to magnify stuff that already was going on there. And, and the other thing that I want to mention is that, to me, there's basically going to be two ways that you can you can really profit off. I'm not I'm not talking about just getting like a couple thousand here, a couple. Thousand. I'm talking about like really, really make a lot of money. It's going to be be a superstar on social, be a superstar when it comes to IG and TikTok and all that kind of good stuff. Be an actual influencer, right? So your money is coming in not because you're great at your sport. It's because you're great at being an influencer the same way that you got all these people making X amount of dollars off Instagram and TikTok and Twitter and all that as it is, right? The other way to do it is to be a great player, right? To be the star of the team, to be the guy that is the face, to be the guy that the fans love. And if you're not working on your game and you're just you're, you're settling for like that one deal where you get $25,000 from a – a car company and, and you get to drive around like a Dodge charger for a season, right? If you think that that's that, that you made it there and you stop working on your game, 
that money's not going to be there the next season. You're not going to be the same player. So, so I think these guys really need to understand, and I think a lot of them do, that the way that you're going to profit off of this is to be great at all of the things outside of basketball that allows you to profit off of it or be great at basketball, right? There's no middle ground. If you're just okay at both those things, no one's going to care. No one's going to want that money. So um, the, the long and short of it is like there's going to be opportunities for the next Mark Titus to make as much money as the next Greg Oden in a situation like that. And as long as you understand that, like, you got to be great at something and putting the work on something, then the, then I think it's going to it's, it's going to be about your exposure. That's what it's going to be. It's, it's, it's all about the value of your exposure and the ways to have that value is to be great at social or to be a great player that everybody loves. The money doesn't fall out of the sky, fellas. No, it does not. <laughs> oh, it, it, by the way, this is where Titus should have some sort of bat signal and he should zoom in <laughs> right now. Like I feel like his ears are ringing somewhere uh, in California, wherever the heck he is. No, you know what? Greg Oden just made me think of this point. It, it also can help the player who has unfortunate circumstances, right? Who has, who, who, who can never really get off the ground in his professional career and at least can, can make some cash when he's in college. Again, college might be a time for some of these guys that previously didn't give them the avenue to benefit financially and they could put some of this money away or that if it's managed correctly, they could parlay it into more money that has perhaps nothing to do with basketball after college or everything to do with it. And I also think we're in a world now where what makes you tick? It's a player. It's a, it's a question that we ask players all the time. Like, what's your why? What makes you tick? What keeps you going? Sometimes players go to college, and when they go pro or when they start their pro career, we end up, when they're starting their pro career, kind of scratching their head saying, I don't know if this kid has it. Or a coach says, yeah, yeah, he's just not motivated. Guess what? The bags sometimes change the level of motivation in every way, shape, and form. You enter those in the equation of college – if a kid can, can get those endorsements, if he's picking them up, you might find out that a kid's got a lot more motivation and a lot more of a tick than he would otherwise. So I just think that the avenues that this opens up in the college sports landscape can be a positive if managed correctly. Uh, and, and, and that's why this is so long overdue, and that's why it belongs on the table now. Because, you know what, we should not have been keeping two UNLV uh, two uh, New Mexico women's basketball players from benefiting off their name, image, and likeness. We should be allowing them to do that, learn from their mistakes in their business model, learn from different things in their business model in college, yep. so that then when they are past college, they have a, a pre-existing bankroll and can build on that from what they've learned in college, hence your business majors. It really weaves into it. It's, it's almost like an internship of you self-promoting. Exactly. How do you build up on that to then be someone that can do it in their professional career? All right. There, there's two, two other points that I want to make, and then we can kind of move on from here. The first is that I've seen a lot of references to like, yeah, it's not going to be every kid. It's not going to be everyone. We're only going to have like a very rare couple of players that are going to get this much money in six figures. And I think that's a little bit overblown. We just saw, um, is it Kayvon Thibodeau? I think I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He's the, he's a football player for Oregon and potentially number one pick. Um, just got to sign a six-figure deal with Nike, right? Phil Knight taking care of the best players at Oregon. Who, who could have seen that one coming? 
but I think that there's going to be a lot more of that than people realize. And another thing that I've kind of heard has been happening is, is something where marketing agents will come in and front these athletes. Like they'll, the marketing agents will be the one that dropped the bag, right? They'll be the one that pay these kids up front and give you X amount of dollars in cash. And then what happens is you sign with them and they can start pushing out the deals that you need to make. And, and if you're, if you're a marketing agent, I think that's a really savvy move. Like if I, if I was in that situation, that's what I would be doing, right? If you're the trustworthy guy that can make sure that you're getting these players something, drop the bag, take a couple of extra points off of whatever it is that you take for your commission, right? Get your money back, make a little bit more in the long run. Then you then you have a relationship with these kids. you got to deal with these kids. If that quarterback ends up being a top five pick in the draft or that point guard ends up being a top five pick in the draft and all of a sudden you got a superstar there, it's the same thing as, as uh, you know, like Nike or Adidas spending all these monies to fly – these great AAU players around the country. All if it's if it's a hundred thousand dollar investment to potentially get a hundred million dollar player, like right. you do that a hundred different times. You do it a hundred times. You invest ten million dollars a year, and as long as one of those one hundred kids over the span of ten years ends up being a Kevin Durant or a Kyrie Irving or a player that can be marketable like that, you're going to end up making money in the long run. And um, so I just think that that's something that we're going to end up seeing. And there's going to be a lot more players that make a lot of money. If it's not necessarily from their NIL, it's from the deals that they can get from that. The other point that I wanted to make is, did you guys see the deal that, that Masterpiece son got? Insane. $2 million. That's $2 million at Tennessee State from Web Apps America. Now, I don't want to make any accusations. I don't want to say anything wrong here, but I'm just going to mention a couple facts. Okay, so... That deal is with a company called Web Apps America. Web Apps America has 37 likes on their Facebook page. They have no social media presence at all. The blog on their website hasn't been updated in four years. Their website is like a stock Squarespace whatever, right? There's misspelled shit everywhere. There's like all of the the, the, the um, advertisements they have for potential workers are from like 2019. Um, if you Google their address, it is an empty storefront on some random road in uh, in LA between a Madman and a Ross, right? They're <laughs> a tech company, but there's no explanation on what that tech is. So, that's my question it. to you is where, where where did that 2 million dollars come from and what is it for? I don't know. But Masterpiece son, Hersey Miller was all over TMZ, he was all over ESPN, he was everywhere. Seems like that was a pretty interesting moving illegal money. <laughs> so, let's get that off. I see. I, there's, there's two. A front business. There's two things that could have happened there day. Right. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying anything happened, but in, in this situation, I think that I'm speaking generally, right. I don't want to piss off master P. I don't want to come in after me. Please don't piss off. It could have happened here. One, they're washing money. Right. They got to find a way to, to, to kind of clean some money for some reason. Or two, Master P just wanted to find a way to get his son onto TMZ, to get his son hyped up. He's a freshman at Tennessee State. Let's get this guy some pub. I'm going to be giving him this money anyway. He's still, uh, he's still my dependent. So here's your $2 million. This is your trust fund. But instead of me just giving you the trust fund, we're going to make it be through Web Apps America. So it looks like you are the, uh, the most profitable NIL student athlete in the United States. So I don't know. I just thought that that was pretty funny. I'll go with number two. I'll go with number two. <laughs> yeah, me too. I want to be on board and say I'm masterpiece doing anything. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big I don't fan. No limit soldiers on my front door. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't need that. But so you I'm know cool. what? They're allowed to do what they want in this instance. Okay, whatever it yeah. might be, and that's the other thing. 
if you're the guy who over the weekend at the 4th of July barbecue was saying, oh, yeah, I don't think this makes that big of a deal. Oh, there won't be uh, as many kids as you think benefiting off their NIL. Oh, the deals are going to be small. They won't be news. Look, not every single deal that a kid makes is going to be news. But that just means that it's normalized. And it should be normalized. So if you're the person who says, oh, it's not going to result in as much money as you think, you're probably not a whole lot of fun to be around. You probably cut up your hot dog. You don't need it on a bun. So you know what? Stop. Stop. I don't want to hear all this stuff. It's the same stuff that with people who say that a kid shouldn't be allowed to transfer where they go. Get, get out of here with that stuff. Okay? Get, get out of here with it. I don't want to hear about it. Okay? You don't know. You haven't been in that kid's shoes, and, and you don't understand what he's going through, what he needs to do. Remember, remember, for a lot of these kids, a good amount, and I've talked with Ed Cooley about this, these kids come from all different walks of life, and these kids are trying to make it. Some of these kids are really trying to make it for their families. Some of these kids are the first to graduate in their families from said institution uh, if they graduate or if they go in the league early. And you know what? That's that family. For that family, that's the golden ticket to the next wave of life. If that next wave of life can start in college, guys, I've seen kids. Day, you've, you've seen kids, whether you played or whether you've seen them. Rob, you've covered these kids. We've covered kids that have felt the pressure to go and get that money professionally. As a result, they have left college perhaps early, and it ends up backfiring. They never make the money that they sought out to make because they might have left too early. They might have gotten sunk in the sea. Every kid's entitled to their decision. But if there's the avenue that allows the kid to stay in college, get closer to the degree, also help by benefiting financially, yes, these kids are going to benefit off their name, image, and likeness. But more importantly... Their families, who they play for, you ask any kid, they're going to talk about who they're playing for. They're playing for their parents. They're playing to give mom that car. They're playing to give their parents something. If, if you're giving them an earlier avenue and per- perhaps providing some ease, you got to remember what a kid's dream is and what a kid's goal is. And so that's why I just, I just think to the person who says it won't be as big of a deal, you have no idea from case to case how big of a deal it really could be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a great point. Change people's lives, man. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> point. All right, let's uh, let's move on a little bit. I do want to talk about some of the decisions of players that have come back. Obviously, Hunter Dickinson is coming back. Uh, Kofi Coburn is coming back. It ain't going to be to Illinois. Miles McBride, Deuce is gone. Day, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Your guy's not going to be there next year. But the right. biggest news, the biggest news of the last week, John Fanta. You know what it is. Your boy's back. The Johnnies are back, baby. Are they, are they making it to the Final Four? What do we got here? What do we got, Fanta? Julian Champagny is back, and St. John's fans believe that the Final Four should be the expectation, and that's why we love them. That's why Jeff Goodman loves them. <laughs> Look, this is big news, and here's why. Julian Champagny is a guy who averaged in and around 20 points per game last year. The game comes easy to this six foot seven, six foot eight forward. He's a New York kid. He plays that style. He's a catch-and-shoot foreman. He stretches the floor. Julian Champagny was a 
quality player entering his sophomore year at St. John's this past season. He became a great player. You know why? He had a point guard who could give him the basketball and who defended. And Posh Alexander is that guy. After Villanova, the Big East is a mystery entering next season. If you ask 10 different people at a street corner who the second best team in the Big East is, you might get 10 different answers. And I believe here that what Julian Champagny's decision to return to St. John's means is St. John's now has two all-Big East first-team caliber players in Champagny and Posh Alexander. And if one of them weren't on the first team, they'd be the sixth or seventh best player in the league instead of the fourth or fifth. My point, you can't say that about other Big East teams entering this upcoming season. There's, there's mysteries. Um, UConn, who is going to be the stud? There are candidates, but who is going to be the stud? Seton Hall, they have some replacements to make. They have some new guys. They brought in a Kadari Richmond. He should be a quality ad. But how do they hash things out post-Sandro Mamukelashvili? And you could go right down the line with some other teams. Xavier, they look like they're going to be good, but they still have to prove it. Butler, they return virtually everybody, but can they be a great team? St. John's has two great players back, the reigning Big East Coach of the Year in Mike Anderson, and addition by subtraction, they let go of some kids with the transfer uh, stuff, and they've brought in a variety of different players. Aaron Wheeler from Purdue, Montez Mathis from Rutgers, guys that have experience that have been around winning. I'm buying St. John's partially because they have two all-Big East first-team caliber players in Julian Champagne and Posh Alexander, and partially because I think there's a lack of clarity on who exactly the cream of the crop in the Big East is heading into next season. And if I see two stars on a team, I look and say the expectation should be that they're an NCAA tournament team and a team that could win a game or two on the big dance floor. Mm -hmm. Day. So, elsewhere in the country, we have Drew Timmy's coming back to school to Gonzaga. We have Colin Gillespie, uh, Jermaine Samuels, Justin Moore coming back to school at Villanova. We have Oshai Baji and Remy Martin coming back to school at Kansas. We have Andrew Jones, Courtney Ramey coming back to school at Texas, who added uh, about 17 different transfers this offseason and may still add Marcus Carr, the transfer from uh, Minnesota. We have Jaime Jaquez coming back to UCLA. Don't have any word yet on Johnny Juzang. I hope that he ends up coming back. I think that'd be the right decision. Trevion Williams, Jaden Ivey coming back at Purdue. We have Matthew Meyer coming back at Baylor. We have Hunter Dickinson coming back to Michigan. Uh, we have at Oregon a bunch of players coming back. We have guys coming back at Duke, Alabama, Ohio State. We have a loaded college basketball season coming up next season. Man. I'm, I'm so fired up for this. Like, I'm just looking through rosters now. We're, like, next year is going to be really, really good for the sport, I think. Has Kofi named where he might go? Uh, no, the assumption is that it's going to be Kentucky because of the two uh, assistant coaches uh, from Illinois yeah. to Kentucky. Uh, but they still have Big Sheeb on the roster. Um, the, so we'll, we'll see how that all kind of shakes out. If, wow. if Kofi's going to Kentucky, there's going to have to be some, uh, some moving parts on that roster. Let's sure. Just and I got a chance to watch Kofi, and I got a chance to watch uh, Hunter at uh, the G League League Camp. Uh, I am big fans. Like, I was a big fan of uh, Hunter during the year anyway, but uh, getting a chance to like, actually watch them against what you would say is like some of the top players in the country there – Wherever Kofi lands, they got they got one. Like hopefully those guys go back to school. They do what they need to do, and uh, 
not uh, take care of the things they need to take care of. You know, Kofi with ball screen coverage, being able to to work in the uh, defensively in the ball screen, and uh, and Hunter just like you know expanding his game, showing that he has more to his game. I think that'll be good. Wherever uh, wherever Kofi lands, I expect to see those guys do pretty well in the tournament because he's a seeing him in person and seeing him compared to all of these other guys and watching like watching what he did this past year, running the floor, showing nothing but great effort on the glass, scoring in the paint, like and then like getting a chance to see him in person. There's not many people. There's not many big dudes like that that move like that that bring that kind of energy. He just needs to uh, put some work in. But wherever he falls, I'm actually going to be a little bandwagon fan and follow Kofi, bro. So, <laughs> so I have I have, I have, hot takes. I, I, I want your opinion on this. I think – so there's – the the narrative with both of those guys, Kofi and Hunter, is that they are too big. They're kind of dinosaurs. Like the NBA doesn't play that way. Um, I don't I don't think that I necessarily agree with that. I just think that you have to understand what their role is. And, and my take is they have to – more or less turn themselves into um, into Boba, Boba, more or less, which essentially means you got to be a guy that can really, really be effective in drop coverage. You have to be a guy that buries anybody uh, that you get in the post and can score like 75% of the time. You have to be someone that has range out to about like 12 to 15 feet so you can space the floor a little bit. You have to be someone that can be really, really effective making reads and kind of short roll actions. You have to be able to be really, really good in drop coverage because that's going to be the only way that you're going to be able to play. And if you do that, I think it's very clear that there are spots in the NBA for you to be able to do that kind of a thing. There, that, that job is available. You're not going to be a star. You're going to be coming off the bench. It's going to be a matchup dependent kind of thing, how much you get used, but there are jobs for you. You have to be one of like the 10 best in the world at it, though. You have to be able to shoot 60% on 12 foot to 15 foot jumpers. You have to be an 80% free throw shooter. You have to be elite at all of those little things, and you'll be able to have a job in the NBA. Kofi, I think, has a pretty good chance to get there. Got to develop the shot a little bit. Can't be a 50% free throw shooter, whatever he was, right? Got to be better in drop coverage. Hunter, I think maybe he could get there too. Got to be better in drop coverage. Got to be able to see that stroke at some point, right? But to me, that's what they have to do to be able to get a job in the NBA. And I think it's going to be there for both of them. No, I for sure definitely think so. Go ahead, Banner. Well, guess what? They they have the opportunity to have a job in the NBA. And would their decisions been the same if they didn't have the NIL equation? And the answer to that question would be, I don't think so. So this is the beauty of coming back to school. We both, we all three of us think that these guys can be NBA players. One thing that always stands out to me with Hunter Dickinson is the IQ that he plays the game with. He's deliberate in everything he does. When he came in as a freshman, the way that the game came to him and the way that when he had the basketball, he dictated the way that the game was going to get played. You don't see that often from freshmen in this sport. Sometimes there's freshmen like a Jalen Suggs, who's going to be one of the top picks in the NBA draft, where they're doing things that are so advanced, they don't even know exactly what they're doing half the time because that's just how fast and and kind of how Energizer Bunny, new type of guy in the sport they are. For, for Dickinson, what I noticed right away is just the pace at which he played, but he allowed it to go the way he wanted it to. He was in control. He has things to work on. He can work on those things. He can make Michigan one of the best teams in the country. The Wolverines have a loaded six-man class that I think if 
even half the class can pan out well, Michigan might be the deepest roster in college basketball this upcoming season now with the return of Hunter Dickinson. But you know, Rob, I was listening to you break down each team, right? And break down who's coming back and what's happening. And I am here to say, proclaim here on July the 7th, 2021. Oh, boy. That I believe for the first time in three years, and it's weird even saying that, the Kansas Jayhawks are going to win the Big 12 this upcoming season because you bring in a player as good as Remy Martin, and you have Akbaji back, you have Jalen Wilson back, David McCormick, the core of guys is back, and you welcome in a good core of players. Bill Self is ready to punch back in the Big 12 this upcoming year. The most fascinating team in the country heading into this season is the Kansas Jayhawks because I like what they have coming back, and I think Remy Martin needed a better situation. Kansas is going to provide him a better situation than Arizona State did, and I think the Jayhawks could take off. And with the return of fans, so will Allen Fieldhouse. <laughs> they uh, also have a couple other players coming in. They got the transfer from Drake, Joseph uh, Yasufu, um, yep. Jalen Coleman Lands, who is actually as old as Deshaun. Uh, yes. He turns he turns thirty seven. Um, he turns thirty seven this year. But you bar- Fanta, you buried the lead, right? You buried the lead in that. Yes, they have Remy Barton. Yes, Oshai Abaji is back. Yes, Jalen Wilson is back. But Shaq McCormick at the five. Deshaun Butler's preseason national player of the year. Shaq McCormick. Let's go. No, no, no. That's what I was going to say. I was Fanta. I listen. I, uh, heart of hearts, I, I I love David McCormick. I don't know if they'll win the league, but if David McCormick's back, I, I I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm I got Kansas definitely being in that in that championship game because uh, the way he finished the season up, I, I try to tell my guy Rob give him some time, and, and Rob refused to. But my gosh, he finished the season off strong last year. To um to the point of uh, Remy Martin helping the scenario, I wonder because we know who Remy Martin is. He's a great player. But he is a volume shooter, though. And when you get to a team, well, obviously, when you get tra- you transfer in, everybody knows what he can do. But it's going to be I'm, I'm going to be very intrigued to see how that volume shooting fits into a scenario where you don't have somebody just being, catering to get him the ball so he can get those volume shots. Like he's going to be playing on a team where there's going to be a lot of guys. So is he going to be as efficient? That's what I wonder because I I love watching him play there. Like it was. Of course, like he's the he's a he was a preseason pick for All American and everything. Like I, I was excited to watch him play. I just wonder when you get volume shooters in situations where you're surrounded around a bunch of guys who can play. Not saying that he can't play; he can definitely play. That's a given. But are you going to be as consistent with less shots on that team? And you know he's a two guard in a point guard's body. So I wonder how, like. I just wonder how it's going to work. You know what I wonder? I wonder if there is ever in the history of college basketball been a more obvious candidate for a sponsor than Remy Martin. (laughs) Facts. Remy Martin. (laughs) I mean, if that kid is not getting a bag from Remy Martin, like, what what are we doing here? What are they doing? (laughs) What are they they doing here? All right. I'm going to switch this. I'm going to close it with something a little bit more fun. Fanta keeps talking about July 4th barbecues. I think Fanta likes a barbecue more than anybody else in the history of the planet likes a barbecue. And I don't blame them. So I want to know right now, Fanta, give me your top 
three food items, like main course, like the meats, like the main course things. And I want your top three sides at a barbecue. All right. I'm putting you on the spot. We got a lot to talk about here. All right. You want me to go first? Cause my, I, I got mine ready to go. Start off the bat. The number one item that you could have at a, a, at a barbecue, at a cookout, anything is homemade pulled pork. That's the best. Smoked for like eight, nine hours, get nice and hot. You get that nice little crispy pork candy on the outside. You shred it all up. Look, I love pulled pork. Pulled pork is my shit. It's what I think I make it the best. Like out of all the stuff I make, I think I make it the best. Number two, you got to have good homemade burgers, right? And you got to be able to, uh, my, my recipes, you, you, you fry up some bacon, right? Then you saute some onions and some garlic in that bacon grease right? And you pour all of that into about two pounds of meat. You put an egg in there. You put some salt in there. I got this seasoning called Taste of South Africa seasoning. You put a little bit of that in there. You mix it all up. Then you take the grated cheese. You throw the grated cheese in the meat too. You mix all that up, right? And you make some nice half pound patties, some Mondo burgers, right? Look, I know what I'm doing. I'm about to catch a heart attack, but continue. (laughs) Number number three is the chicken wings. You got to have chicken wings at a cookout. You got to have chicken wings at a barbecue. So that's my top three. What do you got, Fanta? Well, to go off a little bit, spin it a little bit from what you said, because I don't want to give the exact same answer. I'm going to give you my dream barbecue, okay? So, yes, you need the fresh-made burgers. You have to have fresh-made burgers. I love what you did there with the bacon and onion. Um, I like pepper jack cheese to give it a kick. I think Kobe Jack, too. You know, you can go so many different avenues with the cheese and toasted buns. Make sure you're toasting your behind, people. Put those buns right on the grill. Toast them up. It's going to cause for a really, really good burger. You got to toast the buns. Two, a Fanta specialty. People say grilled chicken. But you know what? Sometimes they say grilled chicken's kind of plain. It's kind of like bland. I, I, I need some kick to my grilled chicken. So guess what I do, guys? No, I don't go barbecue. I don't go hot. I do the grilled chicken on, on the grill and chop it up. I make a pesto. And the pesto goes with the grilled chicken and either a penne or a, a mini shells into a pasta salad like concoction. So you've got your grilled chicken going on, and now I've got the combo of my pasta salad. You talk about dream sides, good mac and cheese is great. But if you're looking to go a little bit healthier, I know, ironic, you could go with a little chicken pesto, the grilled chicken fresh off the grill. Maybe it's a, a replacement from the chicken wings. It's an alternative from the chicken wings. And then I got one more for you here. I'm okay? ready. I love a great kibasi. I'm talking about a little, little kick to it, good kibasi. You have some peppers and onions with it. That could be the game changer to your cookout. It's like a grown-up hot dog, but it's got a little bit more flavor in it. So I love kibasi. My dad is Czechoslovakian, a little uh, Polish to him as well. He loves making his smoked sausages and kibasi on the grill. Sauerkraut? Any sauerkraut there? Throw in some sauerkraut. If you want to get ambitious, if you want to get ambitious, fry some pierogies up. But the good pierogies, go to your store, get some fresh pierogies. No offense to Mrs. T's, but I could have Mrs. T's in college. Get some fresh pierogies. Make sure you're, you're putting the, the onions in there, and uh, let's have some fun. That's a Fanta cookout. There we go. Dave, Dave give, me your, give me your top three. I kind of feel like the uh, hamburgers and hot dogs are just a given. So instead of just doing uh, 
a regular hamburger, usually I do these like jalapeno popper burgers. So like, you know, I make the burgers like a jalapeno popper, like the jalapeno stuff and the cream cheese and everything goes right. inside. Cook the burger. Kids love it. It's a, it's a whole ordeal. Everybody likes spicy stuff in my house. So we go with that. Uh, I'm a big ribs guy. So we do, uh, you know, I need a, I, I need a rack myself personally. Don't judge me. So uh, we have the ribs and I'm a real big Italian sausage guy. So like we have to have the Italian sausage. We toast the buns for the Italian sausage and we have the peppers and the onions. You can pick your, your choice if you want them spicy or not. And then uh, that's three in the sides. We already macaroni and cheese. Uh, my, my, my wife's the biggest asparagus lady and we do the corn and the cob and we keep it very simple. It's like a nice little honey butter corn and the cob thing we got going. So the butlers keep it very simple. We, we love our very. You just said you make a jalapeno popper burger. How is that simple? You keep it very simple. That, that ain't simple. <laughs> ribs, rib, like look, I, I love ribs. I make you good. Our complicated nights. It gets very. We get very yeah. food inspired. The TV's <laughs> <in> the <kitchen. laughs> I, I, what I want to know is how come nobody said potato salad? Am I the only one here? Though I love potato salad. But here's here's the key. Here's the key for your potato salad. Whatever you do, when you make it. You got to take a big scoop of relish and throw a big scoop of relish in there and then mix that up in there. That gives it a little bit of kick, a little bit of tang, takes away a little bit of just kind of like when you got just when it's just potatoes and just kind of like some uh, hard boiled eggs, like it can get a little bland. So you take the relish, you throw the relish in there, you mix it all up. It gives it a little bit of flavor. Now, let me ask you guys this. Not put raisins. I was about to say, I thought you were going to say something crazy. No, raisins. No, no, no. But you know what is good? You can get a little cayenne pepper and a little paprika, put that stuff on there too. Like that, it gives a little bit of flavor, man. I, I like I like my food to be heavily seasoned, guys. <laughs> I like it to be heavily seasoned. All right, we're going to end it with this. We are having the Doster and Deshaun and Fanta cookout this weekend, right? It's going to be a bash. We're going to have some beers. We're going to have some the, the smokers going. We're going to have the grills going. We're going to have the pool going. Everything's going to be flowing. It's going to be great. You can invite one basketball coach at any level. To come to the cookout, who are you inviting? Fanta, we're going to start it off with you. To cook or to come to the cookout? Your choice. All right, cool. Your choice. Oh, my God. Man, this is so hard. I have to only invite one person to the entire cookout. I'm inviting Ed Cooley, guys. You know, this guy is so much fun. He has a pool in his backyard that he jumps in every time the Friars get a, a commit, a recruit, anything. Providence just got a kid this week uh, for their future. I got to invite Cooley. He's a blast. He tells stories. He's hysterical. I'm inviting Cooley, and I'm hoping, because this guy's in Jersey, I'm hoping Cooley picks up Bill Raftery on the way over because then our cookout gets next level. <laughs> yeah cool Cooley was one of the guys on my list so this is this was kind of how i went through my process right like you have all of the guys that are gonna be fun that you know are gonna be a good time right you you, you yeah. just know that's gonna be there so i kind of went through that whole list and and and, and i came down to like I, I think i think what i came down to was a top three all right and i'm gonna start with i'm gonna say scott drew was on that list somewhere because when you're inviting scott drew somewhere it's gonna be more than just scott drew you're gonna have a whole baylor contingent there and if you were, if you paid any attention to Baylor's run to the national title, you'll realize that Scott Drew, his assistant coaches, that coaching tree, all the players on that team, they like to have fun. They like to tell stories. They like to imbibe a few beverages. They get after it a little bit. It's entertaining. 
And if you want some good laughs, Scott Drew is going to have stories to tell you some good laughs, right? Next on my list was the Texas coaching staff. Chris Beard, he's just a good old boy from Texas, right? Chris Ogden, good old boy from Texas. You got Ulrich on that roster. You got Jarrett's on that roster. You got Rodney on that roster. You got, you got a lot of really fun, entertaining human beings, all headlined by Chris Beard, who I guarantee loves cooking burgers on the grill while drinking some shitty beer. I guarantee that Chris Beard loves doing that. So he was number two on my list. But number one, the number one coach that I would want to invite to any kind of cookout, to any kind of event where the booze is flowing, Andy Kennedy. You want a guy that is going to be fun, that is going to tell you good stories? It is Andy Kennedy. He is number one on my (laughs) list. And I would make sure that we got him a little bit tipsy so those stories started coming out like the beer out of the tap of a keg day. Who you got? Tell me who it is and close out the podcast for us. You took my AK because I love AK. I've hung out with AK like a hundred different times. He's so fun to hang out how, with. How many, how many stories do you have hanging out with AK that you would be actually be able to tell on this podcast? Hero. Hero. <laughs> <laughs> he told me all of this stuff that he was doing and none of that stuff should be coming out. No. Like AK is such a good dude. So he's like, he's on my, I only had two guys. He's on my, uh, actually I had three. I just threw one there right now. AK was like my number two guy. My number one guy, honestly, Dennis Gates, bro. Dennis Gates is actually so fun to talk to, and he knows everybody. Like, he knows everybody. And his personality is just as you could just literally talk to him about anything. He's so open and just transparent and just easy to just yap with. He just does not stop, and he's very funny. So I'd invite Dennis Gates, and I'd have to take a step out of college basketball because, I mean, since it's my cook, I, I get the chance to invite anybody. I'm inviting Pat Riley. Because no one has seen more of any type of basketball than Pat Riley. I'm a big Knicks guy. So, the perfect way to end this podcast is Deshaun dropping the flex that he once played for Pat Riley in the NBA. <laughs> so, for Deshaun Butler, for John Fanta, I am Rob Doster. As always, please rate, review, subscribe anywhere that you listen to this podcast or watch it. We will see you guys again next week.